Welcome to episode two of Coming Clean, the truth about cleaning. I'm your host, Alan Randolph. Today's topic is culture change in chaos. I'm so excited today to have my guest. She's a sociocultural anthropologist who's studied behavioral change across many cultures, from the markets and prisons of India to the boardrooms of the United States. She has learned and implemented culture change strategies that have saved lives and made fortunes. She's a U.S. patent holder, speaker, mentor. She's the process owner for culture change at ISSA Consulting. She's the CEO of Alchemy Academy in Flagstaff, Arizona, and the author of the book, Finding Your Lighthouse, A Leadership Guide to Navigating Change. She is my friend, Janine Perlstein. Thanks, Janine. I'm thrilled to be here, Alan. Thanks so much for inviting me on your show. You know, there... This topic is so timely. In my 30 years in the cleaning industry, I've seen many organizations try to change cleaning outcomes. They yeah. bought new chemicals. They bought new tools. They bought new machines. They bought into new promises, but they ended up with the same results. I think they didn't change the root problem, which is their belief system about cleaning. You so, got it. Yeah, so the words culture change have become very fashionable buzzwords. Right. However, maybe you could explain to our listeners the core principles of effective and lasting business culture change from your experience. Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, you're right, culture, culture change and workplace culture, these are, these are hot new topics and people throw them around thinking, oh yeah, we, we strategize based on that. But when you really dig down, it's, it's hard for them to know exactly what that means. And so basically culture change as it relates to organizational development is uh, a combination of change management principles and, uh, and workplace culture principles. So it's kind of like seeing change through the lens of an anthropologist. So when I talk about workplace culture with an organization and, and to define that, we really have to start with attributes of individuals because it's groups of individuals that make up cultures. And I look primarily at four attributes of the individuals that are making up a workplace culture. And they are uh, attitudes, which is your state of mind or your feeling about a given thing. Behaviors, the, the things that you do in your work, your actions, your reactions to certain environments. Uh, as you mentioned before, the mother of them all, in my opinion, uh, where change really happens, which is beliefs. And beliefs are just simply your individual conviction in the truth of something. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's true. Uh, and then there's the values. A person has values, and we hope that, it's, that those values are aligned with an organization's values. But anytime you've got individuals that are coming together and they're sharing those four attributes with other people in their group, and then through that they create norms and traditions. Now you have a culture. And cultures are gonna form in every workplace. Uh, they're gonna form in every team, every organization. Many subcultures will form. Uh, and the trick is that they're gonna form whether you've got your eye on them or not. I think it's really just understanding that they have to have a common passion. You know, yeah. specifically around cleaning, there has to be this, this complete organizational belief that it's important mm -hmm. 
and that we care about it, right? Right. So what are the most common mistakes that clients have made prior to enlisting your help at Alchemy Academy? Uh, you know, you actually already hinted on it in the, in the introduction of this um, astutely because you've seen it over and over in your years in the cleaning industry is that people will implement a new strategy. And it doesn't matter if it's a new tool, a new technology, uh, a new way of doing it, doing things. It could just be new policies and procedures. And they make the mistake of saying, okay, folks, we've got this new thing. Here it is, maybe even some training on here's how to go do it. Now go forth and do it. Uh, but that doesn't actually take human behavior change strategies into consideration. Because what happens then is uh, a whole host of missteps potentially for these, for these organizations based on their culture and what their culture is able to handle or is, uh, is willing to implement. And, uh, and so those companies that really struggle with change within their organizations usually are the ones that are, are making the mistake of forgetting that their culture is going to make it or break it for them in times of change. Yeah, forgetting that it's a group of individuals and it's not yeah. a directive, right? Right. That it's a group of individuals. Well, group of you individuals. know. Well, and, and, you know, just to, not to cut you off, but I just want to say, you know, there are some people in uh, every culture who will be dominant personalities who are driving that culture for one reason or another, you know, uh, reasons of influence, of prestige or power or wealth. Uh, and, and they are shaping culture. And unless you're really looking at whether or not the way that they're shaping their culture is serving you or is taking you off path you're going to you're going to be completely reactive which is no way to run a business yeah they may be driving perceived behaviors but they're not driving trust right oh trust and respect are the first two that go uh and and this is a often a big problem in change management strategies as they exist today yeah great stuff well you know now we're in the middle of a global pandemic um crazy times and crazy cleaning stuff. which has been in my experience, somewhat of an invisible service. It's right. often done when the location is uh, empty of customers and the process and the people have not gotten a lot of respect and the outcomes that they've produced have, have kind of shown that. Well, now cleaning has become top of mind for yeah. the globe. True. And just the new directive that says mop harder yeah. probably isn't going to get it done. The, all these businesses are currently in this chaos management. Right. So they want culture change, but now things are changing every day. Should we add sneeze guards? Oh, the store down the street added sneeze guards. How right. far do our tables need to be? Can we let groups of four in or only groups of two? Like all yeah. this is going on. It is changing daily. You know, how can they make rational culture change plans in that kind of environment? It, it's a tricky thing, you know, in an ideal situation, you build up your workplace culture so that it's strong enough to withstand a crisis because a culture actually will help you either through a crisis or will sometimes crumble uh, because of a crisis. And that, that ship has sailed. That was the work to do in 2019. Uh, but for today, you know, it's not just medical workers that need to think about triage plans. 
Uh, it's also business owners that need to be thinking about triage plans. And that simply means what needs to be, what needs my immediate attention today? Uh, and, and what do I actually let go of today? And you have to really think about that as well, because uh, in, in a state of overwhelm, and we all are in a state of overwhelm, there's just no escaping it. Uh, our brains are, have limited capacity from which to make decisions. And so from a culture, a workplace culture perspective, the key things to be for leadership to be thinking about in, in terms of uh, making sure that productivity can be the best that it absolutely can be in these crazy times. The first thing is to manage expectations uh, and keeping that it top of mind. You know, what are other people thinking about? What concerns do they have? How can I be proactive at managing what their unknowns are? Because the more I can do that, the more I can tame the overwhelm in my clients, in my employees, in my stakeholders, and all the people that I'm working with. Because they're all part of my culture, my workplace as well. Uh, and, and all of this is, is to do number two, and that's to really mitigate the overwhelm. To understand that your employees, your team, they're looking to you for answers right now like never before. And our stories of leadership, these stories are going to be told long after the pandemic is over. You know, when people will say, wow, how did you get through the pandemic of 2020? They'll tell the stories of how their leadership either helped them through it or failed them. And so if you can recognize that your team is in a state of overwhelm and you can help them mitigate that overwhelm in some areas, and that means making sure that they're emotionally safe, uh, that their needs are met, you know, uh, many different reasons uh, for, for ways to mitigate overwhelm is going to be extra important right now. And then the third thing is uh, to proactively communicate way more than you think you need to. Right now, people need to be told, even if you don't have an answer, they need to be told you don't have an answer. Because in the absence of answers, they're going to be making stuff up. And that's going to be a problem because they'll do it through the lens of fear and overwhelm. And the story they're going to tell is not going to be the one you want them telling. So, uh, so it's a little bit of a tricky scenario. Yeah, that's just fantastic information. You know, I think about, I did a podcast on the difference between cleaning and killing or cleaning and disinfecting and what those terms mean. And I think expectation management, as you talked about it, is so key. I fear as an industry in, our, in this chaos and in our rush, we're promising this disinfecting magic that feels to our employees and our customers that we're creating an almost sterile environment that's perfectly safe for them. When nothing is further from the truth, we need to be honest with, with people and say, we're mitigating your risk, right? Yes. But we're not creating a sterile, we're not, we're not making everything into a surgical room. And exactly, exactly. Not, not in environments where people are coming and going and where there's movement. No. Yeah, absolutely. So this is great. I really appreciate it, Jean. How can businesses get a hold of you if they need assistance navigating these uncharted waters of cleaning process change? Well, thanks for asking. <laughs> they can find me at standinyourstrength.com. 
And uh, Ellen, I'd love to, if it's okay with you, I'd love to give a gift to your, uh, to your listeners so that they can take this work a little bit deeper. If they're really interested in having a look at their workplace culture in these crazy times and actually in strengthening it as we move beyond this pandemic into uh, regular operations. Uh, what I have for your listeners is a document that's called 10 Places in Your Workplace Culture Where Productivity Traps Hide. And within that, there are tips of overcoming some of these common mistakes and common traps, such as some of the ones that we've talked about today. And so really all they need to do is go to uh, standinyourstrength.com forward slash coming clean, and they can uh, sign up to download that document there. That's fantastic. Janine, thank you so much again to the audience. Thank you. And we'll see you next time. We're out. Thank you.